Drive-by Cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Hello and welcome. It's season two, episode four of Drive-by Cinema. How did that ever happen? With my co-host, Paul. Hello, everybody. And my co-host, Richard. Hello. Paul, in one of the previous episodes... Richard, yes. <laughs> go on. You made a reference to... Oh, here we go. A hitchhiker. Someone picking up a hitchhiker who was obsessed with, with the, the number, number seven. seven. Do you have an answer for me? I wasn't able to figure out myself uh, what movie that was from. But it doesn't matter because we have some excellent... It doesn't matter because Richard's reconciled to being a failure. Well-informed listeners. Sorry. Listener, Sorry. Adam. Oh, wow. Adam had the answer to this. He does. And he had it in a flash as well. Wow. He that means he's watched the movie and remembered it. It was, of course, the extremely artistic and arch... There's something about Mary. Really? Yeah. Cameron Diaz and Ben Stiller, is it? I think. And something about Mary. No way. You know, the bit where she gets semen in her hair. I don't know. But, no, that can't be the bit, obviously. But there There's also the bit where her Down Syndrome brother is playing baseball in the park. I don't remember the scene, even now... Having been told, I don't remember a scene with a hitchhiker obsessed with the number seven. How do we know that Adam's telling the truth here? He could just be. I haven't verified. I do trust Triggering Adam, you. But, you know, I mean, do I want to watch something about Mary again? I don't know. Probably not, no. No, no. no I don't think so. It was that era where there was a lot of excitement about being able to reference masturbation. On film, wasn't there? <laughs> I think we've grown beyond that, haven't we, somewhat? I well, I don't know. Yeah. It was also an era where it was, okay, it, it was kind of suddenly okay to make Down Syndrome jokes if it was all about the person making them being cruel and not realising it, stuff like that. Kind of like Little Britain did used to do with, with people of colour. But anyway... Yeah, so the, they they sort of had to back off that era, haven't they? They've had yeah, sort of disowned quite a lot of stuff it, yeah. they did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all of it, I think. Some of it, I think, passed. Like uh, the university admissions secretary. Uh, yeah, no, that was quite funny. And, and you know, it's just people who look different to the norm, and she has yeah. nicknames no. for them. Yeah. That's right. But then, which I thought was, you know, I think it's enough to say it's, we're, we're laughing at her and perhaps at the funny names, but not because she's being cruel with them. Uh, and then the, there's an end scene where they all come in to complain about her. And uh, she says, okay, I won't say anything about you anymore. And she gets on the phone and says, Michael, please come down. We've got the cast of fucking Fraggle Rock here. So <laughs> it was quite, quite funny. <laughs> so I thought that one passed, but lots of it didn't pass. I think, it, it, from from a modern perspective. Paul, do you have any corrections and omissions? I guess not. You've probably been too busy editing, like Fury, for the week. <laughs> I don't know. Last week you said, Paul, I didn't didn't double down on you hard enough on this. I can't remember what you corrected before last week. 
Uh, I can't oh, remember. You... Oh, the Casio G-Shock. Yeah. The G-Shock, yeah. Yeah, I, I still disagree with you. I, I, it wasn't marketed towards 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 uh, businessmen, as you seem to suggest. Definitely was a youth watch from inception, Richard. I didn't say it was, wasn't was a youth watch. Oh, it's okay. not a kid's watch, though. It, have you seen the first G-Shock? It, it's very business-like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like a Rolex, Richard. <laughs> no, okay, no. It's it's just a plain looking, if quite large, digital watch. Oh, yeah. It's it's not like pink or bright red or it doesn't have big chunky things on it. It's just a big ditch digital watch. That's all. I see. It's serious, Paul. It's not frivolous. That's the point I'm making. Mm. And I don't think there have been very many G Shocks that have pitched in that direction either they've mostly gone you know diver skydiver pilot that kind of thing rap star rap star yeah they're, they're gone a bit rap star admittedly yeah so uh no corrections Sorry. from paul no uh would you like me to proffer forth some corrections richard well it may be that when you were editing the show you thought oh god we got to correct that no, I think I just unceremoniously cut all that stuff out. <laughs> That's probably wise. Well, in which case, Paul, uh, we better listen for the music and then talk about this week's film. Which is... Escape Room from 2019. Oh, right. Okay, we're doing it before the music. Okay. No, no. I mean, I was going to introduce it and then the music could come now. Oh, Okay. Escape Room 2019. 2019, yes. Because there's more than one, aren't there? There's more than one of these. There's a whole slurry of them. There's, a, there's, I think there are two more Escape Rooms, if I'm not mistaken. One from 2017, and one, I think, from 2013, although I can't be sure about that second one. So Escape Rooms have been popular, a growing sort of phenomena particularly in inner cities and stuff. You've been seeing more and more mm-hmm. escape rooms being created since the the mid-noughties, haven't we? You're absolutely right, yeah. yeah. Paintballing led to Laser Quest, led somehow to the Crystal Maze experience, led somehow to escape rooms. And I don't think there is really a better escape room experience thing than the Crystal Maze experience. Although, sadly, it seems to be not around anymore for whatever reason. Well, Although I know it's not an escape room, but it's like an escape room. Corrections and omissions straight away here, Paul. Firstly, the Crystal Maze experience is around. But it's not in Blackpool in anymore. Maybe not in Blackpool. Secondly, escape rooms came before the Crystal Maze experience, though not necessarily before... Not necessarily popular. Maze. When was the Crystal Maze TV show? When was the adventure game? TV show. Oh no, Paul, you can't steal that thunder from me. I told you to watch the adventure game and you didn't, by the way. Did you, or did you? <laughs> well, I've watched it before. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, fair enough. What, so what is your memory of the adventure game? 
I don't know. But what was the one on Granada where you, where it was very sort of night lawish? Nightmare. Fact, was it called Nightmare? Yeah, you mean the guy with the with the helmet on you couldn't see out of, and he had to be guided by his friends. That's right. Yeah. Oh, the adventure game came before that. Way before that. I mean, the so adventure he, game. Fa- is the adventure nice. game was kind of like Krypton Factor for people that still hadn't grown up in their imagination. What about the French series where they get locked in a castle? That's Fort Boyard. And Fort is that Boyard. after or before the adventure game? That's after the adventure game, I think, but before the Crystal Maze, which I think was kind of copying. I think it's by the same people. Wow. Yeah, I'm just reading the I'm just reading the history of it all now. So I hadn't thought to think about the Crystal May so much. Uh, Crystal May seems to have been commissioned in '89. Fort Boyard, I think, was came out in 1990. It's about the same time, basically. But I think it was by the same wow. sort of designer. I think the same people. But yeah, obviously the two are very closely linked. But the point I was going to make. Much later, maybe, but here we are now. You brought me to it. Sorry. It's the adventure game is very much the pregenitor of the crystal maze, right down to the fact that they're trying to get their crystals back, those Swarovski glass crystal things or whatever they are. Same thing in the adventure game. That's what they're trying to win at the end. Just True. One of those. Anyway, avid listeners will, of course, know <laughs> that of the four, the four things that Richard likes the most in the world. One is the adventure game. Two is the Manic Street Preachers. Uh, three. Three is coffee of any variety. And four, of course, uh, are traditional sunken gardens in city centres. Richard, of those four things, would, would you say the adventure game is your favourite? I don't know why. I don't know why you've got this grab bag of random things, some of which I clearly despise. <laughs> But the adventure game, I have to say, is hands down brilliant. And if you'd spent the time, just 30 minutes, to watch episode one, season one, that's available on YouTube, you would, like me, have probably immediately signed up for BritBox so you could watch the rest of them. Wow. Which I did over the weekend. And uh, saying this has reminded me I need to unsubscribe from BritBox. (laughs) Now you've watched the adventure game. (laughs) Before they charge me six quid or whatever. um, For... Repeats the Bidebeck affair. Well, I did watch the adventure game, all of it, or all that's available on Brickbox, which is not very many. And I also watched all of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which is also brilliant. But not repeats of Carla Lane's Bread. (laughs) No, exactly. That's what I'll be forced to do if I forget to unsubscribe. So It's more like me and Disney Plus, okay? Seen The Mandalorian, better unsubscribe. There you go. But of course, there's no freebie with Disney+. Plus. You've got to pay for it whilst you're watching The Mandalorian. Oh, there we go. really? You got straight into it, have you? Where were we? Adventure game, Paul. Listen, Adventure game. Yeah, go on. Listen. You were going to make a point about it. But that if, you look up, if you look up the history of escape rooms... Yes. As I did... Houdini. You'll, well, no, you'll see stuff in there going back to the mid, sort of the noughties where they first started popping up not sure whether the first one was in Budapest, but Budapest sort of became like a hotbed of this, popularised it in a way. There may have been another one somewhere else. Japan as well, 
has had a long history of them. And it's spread since then. It's now in every city centre. If you're not throwing throwing axes somewhere, then you're probably in an escape room these days, aren't you? That's the managed leisure experience you can expect. I think Taiwan Taiwan does this better. You go to you go to karaoke in on the on the in the sticks in the burbs kind of thing. So it's a pokey old cheap building, and uh, they've got the bowling alley. They've got the baseball nets. They've got anything that's neon and entertaining and physical, like what did we just mention? Air hockey, that kind of stuff. Between the karaoke rooms, and then downstairs, typically they've got a fishery. So you can go fishing if you get bored of singing. <laughs> a huge outdoor pond. And then, wait a minute. This is it. You, know, you take a break from the, you know, you can hear the music filtering out the, the window. So it's quite romantic, really. You know, you've had a tiff with, you, with your lover or whatnot. And then you head down the pond. And the pond's decorated, you know, in kind of Chinese garden style. And then when you catch the fish, they'll cook, they'll cook and the shrimp, they'll cook them up for you and serve them into your room. Ooh, okay. It's like a Chinese poem. It's like living a Chinese poem. You know, it's like being in Chinese watercolor kind of thing, you know, up on the mountains. Would you really want to eat a fish that's been kept in a bar pond? <laughs> it's a giant fishing pool, you know. It's like at least it's Olympic like, size. You know, you, you know when you see restaurants where they've got live seafood and stuff in. Oh tanks. yeah, kind of flapping on its side at the bottom of a tank. Yeah. yeah. It can't be good for the animals to live like that. There must be a, a very kind of high nitrate or ammonia level or something in that water, surely. I'm not sure I would want to be eating that. I get that it's fresh. That's what they're trying to say, isn't it? This is so fresh it's still alive now when you're choosing it. I'm just not sure. It doesn't look that sanitary, frankly. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, so the point I was trying to make about the adventure game is, and about escape rooms, is I saw one very short documentary, about seven minutes. That's a level of research I'm prepared to do for this show. I saw a very brief uh, YouTube about escape rooms, and it made a reference to Myst, the video game. You know, you know Myst? I don't know Myst, but do tell. It's a, it's a classic kind of late 90s puzzle game where it's got a lot of kind of lush graphics but it's not fast moving it's just mostly static in fact possibly I can't remember anyway there's some on screen puzzles that you click and you move around various locations and piece together these different puzzles and solve the whole thing and they're claiming that that is a pregenital of escape rooms that's where idea for this kind of you know multiple puzzles that you're piecing together comes from i yeah. suppose yeah maybe if you're like a video game generation kid that may make sense and sure video games you know there's like that hidden room genre of games where you get a picture and you just got to click in different areas to try and find the objects that have been hidden in the graphics as well i suppose that's similar isn't it but to my mind, escape rooms definitely owe their heritage to the Crystal Maze, and the Crystal Maze, unbeknownst to everyone, owes its owes its DNA really to the adventure game, which sets all of the tropes for an escape room or the Crystal Maze in a television program 
which has to be seen to be believed, Paul. And I know you said that you watched it when you were a kid. But, you know, people forget. Just when we were kids in, in the 80s, trying to watch stuff on TV, first of all, they didn't repeat things very often because there were only four channels. And so repeats were rare. Am I right or am I right? I think you're right there. And secondly, you probably didn't have a VHS recorder. And even if you did, you probably could did, not be bothered actually. to record it. No, I think. I and even if you did, it. someone else would record over it. Probably. Oh, okay, yeah, fair point. So the chances of you seeing all of the episodes of a series of something you liked were like next to nothing. Nowadays, in principle, we should be able to watch it all, but I have to subscribe to BritBox to do it. I see. What do you remember of the adventure game, Paul? And let me tell well, you, from a time-shifted perspective, very little. I mean, uh, as you say, all TV was consumed live, if not produced live. So, I, I seem to remember it being rather like the Krypton Factor, but maybe my memory is wrong there. No, it's got elements of that. And like the Crystal Maze, there was an effort to make some of the puzzles be a bit more physical and are less intellectual. But you get this endless problem with all of these things, especially if you try to televise them. I mean, if, if you go to an escape room and you can't do it, I guess at some point they take pity on you and give you a clue. Or, but ultimately, it doesn't matter, does it, if you don't get out? It's kind of the point in a way. Mm-hmm. But if you're televising a show uh, like The Adventure Game, where there's only one set of puzzles and one team and stuff... And it's not like the crystal maze where you can fail and then, you know, have an exciting moment in the dome and stuff. In the adventure game, you know, if they can't do it, the show just doesn't go anywhere, does it? So there's a cast. The whole thing on the uh, on the, the adventure game is you're supposed to be on this alien planet called Arg. And the population of Arg, the people who've sort of running the game, are played by three or four different actors and they will just intervene at certain points when the celebrity team is completely screwing it up and can't make any headway they'll just kind of like jump in and do it for them which is hilarious and slightly frustrating the other really weird thing about the adventure game is the teams were made up of three people two of whom were like Minor celebrities, usually on children's television. John Craven, you know, someone from Blue Peter, etc. And somebody else. Mm-hmm. And the third person was a random person just from the country. So it would be like, you know, here's James Burke, the science presenter. Here's somebody else from Blue Peter. And here's Paul, the marketing manager. Wow, that is interesting. It's weird. <laughs> Let me tell you. Who was it's the very Blue weird Peter, to Who was the Blue Peter presenter called Leslie? John Leslie. John Leslie. Was he was he on it? No, no, but Leslie Judd from Blue Peter was. And Oh, I, I remember her. She was good with the dog. What she did was she came as a contestant in series 1. And in series 2, they added her as a mole. So she'd become like the fourth player in the game. And the other players were told there was a mole, but not who it was. And she would 
always lie and try and stall them during the games just to make it extra difficult. And it was difficult. Paul, ex- explain then, in, in your own t- in your own words and at, at leisure, what this film is about. <sighs> well, can I just say first of all, a lot of money had been spent on making this film look good hmm. compared to Fermat, Fermat's room, or was it Fermat? If we're in France, I don't know anymore. Fermat's room, which we watched, is it last week? The week before, I think. The week before. Clearly, these two films share, like, a common heritage. Heck of a lot, yeah. So much so, in fact, yeah, we had a a crushing wall, didn't we? We did, yeah. In Escape Room. Although, just as we had predicted, they'd used a rather more economical one wall or two walls move, not all four walls move. A lot easier to arrange. Well, that was the only money saving. I would say this is a very, very swish and sumptuous set. And it's a kind of set, because in Fermat's theorem, well, I don't want to go back to it too up too much, but it was about intellectuals meeting up for, you know, a tete-a-tete mm. and lots of mystery. And when these guys turn up into the first room here, it's like what Fermat's room should have looked like if they'd had enough money and weren't poor Europeans. <laughs> Did you ever play the games, on mostly PC games, I don't think you can play on mobile. Where you've got to discover hidden objects in a room. I talked about that earlier, the hidden object rooms. You weren't listening, were you? I was, I was just nodding. Uh, so, <laughs> but I, it's really sumptuous, like like some room in the middle of New Orleans, in med, you know, sorry, 19th century New Orleans, you know, all this kind of uh, a menagerie of animals in the corners, you know, lots of gilding gilded uh, metalwork and all that kind of stuff. It had that kind of look. That Almost like they copied hidden objects, PC games. It had that, had that look and feel. And I was very impressed with that to begin with. That's not to answer your question, which was, what is all, what is the movie all about? Uh, well, I mean, it's the same as Fermat's room, isn't it? They're, they're riddled with riddles and they've got to escape. Otherwise, they will actually die. Uh, yeah, a number of disparate people are given an invitation to this puzzle. And now, it, it comes in the form of a puzzle box. This is really annoying, because they get given this puzzle box, which is, like, really cool and really zen, and then, like, they're supposed to solve it, and they don't solve it, and still the invitation comes out the top of it. <laughs> I found that really annoying. No, well, this is, like, the theme for the whole movie, right? In Fermat's room... A bunch of genuine intellectual people who are maths professors and stuff. They actually engage with problems that are set in the movie, and we get to engage with them as well if we want. And, you know, they they actually solve some things. In this, it's like the people who did this movie looked at the whole concept of escape rooms. They said, oh, yeah, escape rooms are really popular. And then they tried to capture what it is about escape rooms. And they looked presumably at Fermat's room as well to see how a movie about them could work. Yeah. And they've kind of completely missed the point about what's cool and what people like about escape rooms, which is the problem-solving, the The puzzles. riddle, yeah. yeah. And what we're left with, what they've decided is what we need, what we need is more peril. And what, you know, what people doing escape rooms want is to be constantly under the threat of being killed if they get the And essentially wrong. not escape. Or <laughs> escape if you're very, very lucky. 
Richard, can I just turn your attention to a VR game I know that you played maybe a year or two ago, which was like in an Egyptian mummy's tomb? The Room. And that was very escapey room, although it wasn't an escape room, was it? It was it kind of like... The kind of puzzles you faced in that game were quite similar to the kind of escape room puzzles you'd Absolutely. face in a yeah, typical yeah. escape room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it it is, is an escape room, yeah. It's a VR escape room, no question. Yeah. So lateral number and word-based puzzles, often with visual or image cues. Yeah. Now, so, so in the first room, so they're invited, unbeknownst to each other as 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 uh, as individuals to the first room of this escape room yeah yeah and they're thinking oh yeah it's fun we're going to win $10,000 i mean would $10,000 motivate you i don't think it would necessarily motivate me one of them's a business guy jason and uh, he's successful on Wall Street. Well, he can't be in it for the money, can he? Because ten thousand dollars, it's not worth his time. But he's time. in for the win. Like he's like, yeah, uh, I he's competitive. Win this kind of thing. Competitive. We get these quite, quite uh, roughly drawn characters. In any case, so they're in it for they're in it to win it. Ten thousand dollars. One of them will take you home. I, I thought the first room they did try to give us puzzles, didn't they? A little bit, yeah. What was the puzzle though? It was simply that. There was coasters on the table, and there was something that said "always use coasters." Some some cryptic clue somewhere. And when they filled up glasses of water and placed them in the coasters, the coasters sank down like weighing scale type things. And when all of the coasters had water on them, a panel opened in the wall behind a picture, as it were, and they, they crawl through. through. And it was quite important that they did because it was an oven. The whole room was like a fiery furnace. <laughs> so, so they get through there, and apparently, some of them are, are, are not quite believing of the fact that they would have died if they hadn't gone through. They're saying yeah, it's all a simulation. A, they well, would have turned it off. Somebody's watching us. Kind of stuff. There's an escape room nerd, isn't there? There's a guy who's done loads of them. And knows exactly what he's doing. As soon as he got in the first room, he was looking underneath the tables for passwords and stuff like that. And, you know, so he was convinced that they were all perfectly safe. Uh, By the way, though, listen, I just want to go back to the puzzle boxes, which you mentioned, that they really threw that away again. Uh, Have you ever watched any YouTube videos of people doing puzzle boxes? No, no. Because there is this community community of people who build these amazing intricate puzzle boxes, where and you know they're beautifully made, and some of them are very thematic, so they might look like an ammo crate or something, and others are just you know really nice pieces of wood. Some of them are built like a book, and you know you can follow the YouTube of people who solve these things. They get sent them by the people who make them. And they have to figure them out. And it is all about, you know, you know, you push this bit here and then you can unscrew that bit and then you can put it in over here and that lifts it up and that gives you a magnet that you can use to move a ball bearing you can't see into a hole, which opens another thing. It's really beautiful, interesting kind of thing. And it's nice to watch. Good bit of YouTube follow that. Again, they completely failed to grasp the cool thing about a puzzle box. These boxes were more like the the cubes in um, Hellraiser, weren't they? As you say, yes, they played with them a bit. 
they got them partially open and then they all kind of put them down disgusted and then they just popped open at some point with a little business card in them or something. So you've got none of the real cool bits about puzzle box solving. Um, anyway. The, yes, sorry, Gordon. Well, they wind up in another room, don't they? After they've escaped the fiery furnace. Can I just introduce the cast for us? We've got Danny, who's, as you have said, is kind of like the gate, the escape room resident nerd. Uh, we have Mike, who's some giant hair bear, kind of older guy. We have Amanda. <laughs> She's like Phoebe from Friends, but uh, with an attitude. We've got Ben, who's like... Some Hang on, Amanda's meal. not like Phoebe from Friends. She's like an she's a vet a veteran from she's an ex army, isn't she? She got burned in Afghanistan or something. She did get burned in Afghanistan. Sorry, we got Ben, who's some sort of minimum wage kind of beater. Uh, we got Jason, who's a hyper competitive twat, and we got Zoe, uh, who is annoyingly shy. Uh, is also some sort of physics major genius freak and she uh, she kind of opens the movie after after the opening title sequence where we see get we get we see Ben get crushed by by uh, by moving walls yeah by closing walls yes yeah, non-linear storytelling them. isn't it isn't it so uh, so Zoe opens it and she's in her college lecture and uh, the lecturer is talking about the quantum Zeno effect oh which yeah is real it yeah, is real I thought I thought this was going to be a real plot pivoter. Yeah. It, and, yeah, and it, it wasn't really, was it? They threw it away. It tries to be. It's like, we're being watched, we're being watched. Uh, what is the quantum Zeno effect, then? It's the idea that uh, you can, if you like, prevent atomic events from happening simply by, by, observing, by measuring the system. By observing yeah. them yeah. and measuring the system kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, which is... One thing, what really struck me about the fact, uh, weird about this, all this, was like during the lecture, she, by her professor, she puts up her hand and doesn't answer because she's shy, as we're being told. She, uh, she's shy in a way that, you know, an actor, really, an actor being asked to play someone who's shy, that's that's a big ask, isn't it? I mean, an actor, an actor almost by definition can't possibly be shy. Yeah, and I think it's difficult for actors to do to do shy. Difficult to capture it on screen properly, I think. But then, her physics professor says, "Oh, come, come to me, talk to me. Ah, oh, why are you so shy? Blah 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 blah. I, I want you to change, like write an essay, you know, do some public speaking. No, 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 no. This physics professor, who I assume has got absolutely no qualifications in counselling, says, I want you to do one thing that truly terrifies you and scares." <laughs> You know, I mean, she could pick anything. Cannibalism, you know, gunning down children in school. And he's so irresponsible with that. So at this point, I kind of thought, right, okay, so this is not going to be in any case a realistic rendition of anything. We're just getting a plot that's constructed for the convenience of the escape room that we're going to encounter, which is fair enough. But there we go. Did you notice the logo of the organisation running the escape rooms. It was I did, but the, I forgot it. It was on the cube as well. It was like uh, it was like three triangles interlinked in a sort of trefoil knot, or actually more like uh, Borromean rings. You know, you know what Borromean rings are. No, they're 
where you've got three rings interlinked in such a way that if any one ring is cut, all three of them fall apart. They're only... Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Which is cool, mathematically. And also, that place was called Minos Escape Rooms. Yes, I did notice Minos. Very meaningful for me, as I helped create a company called that way back when. But I would not have pronounced it Minos, which people often do. It drives me up the wall. Surely it was the Minotaur. King Minos, not Minos. Not the, you don't say Minotaur. Oh, well, that's something to debate over a glass of champagne. Look, Put your it, scone it, is down. Time, it is time to think about the next room that they tried to escape from. Well, no, first of all, it, it's to say, uh, if Fermat's room was a Google interview, I'm presuming escape room is a Facebook interview because <laughs> it is infinitely crueler than than Fermat's room in many ways. I think oh, there, yeah. there's a level of pointless sadism here. Yeah, this is really. Where, I think they're really trying to create a saw cinematic universe. Equivalent. Yes, it's really about but for escape rooms. Yeah. yeah, it is about torture. Whereas Fermat's room is not about that, is it? I mean, he's going to you know. The perpetrator in the infirmary room is going to get pleasure in seeing them, seeing them die, presumably. But it's going to be a one moment, essentially. Whereas here they're picked off one by one, as we'll find out. Uh, so f- f- what I would say is the first room, Rich, for me, was like a real was like a real escape room. In terms of we have Fahrenheit 451, the book. Yep. We had an oven dial. We had a star-headed screwdriver. They opened the reception thing and found it was a mannequin and a recording, didn't they? Yeah. And then eventually, for whatever reason, hot dog jumping from Albuquerque, they get through the the crawl space, only to find that they're in the second room. Yeah. And this was like a log cabin kind of front room kind of thing, wasn't it? This setting. Yes. Yes. And this is where the clues started to get, the whole puzzle thing started to get really weak. So there was, the door was locked with a combination padlock, which had letters on it. So they're looking, they just deduce for a seven letter word or something. And they start looking around. There is on the wall... A clue. uh, Well, (laughs) if you can call it... You'll go down in history. Yeah, there was a thing that says you're going to need history. There was also a number of antlers. What could that be? That's too lateral for me. So your bloke that you mentioned... Ben. This triggers a memory in his mind in which he had been in a car with a lot of people at Christmas and they were singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And now he realises that Rudolph is a seven-letter word and probably the one that will open the door. And he shouts that over, and indeed it is, and they escape the log cabin. And there we are. So, have you seen um, Slumdog Millionaire, Paul? I have, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, in that, Danny Boyle has set up this whole thing, hasn't he, where the contestant, the, the boy, every question that he's asked, something in his life, Triggers an answer. Yeah, it's prepared him, it's given him the answer, and he remembers it, he recalls it in flashback, and he gives the answer as he goes through the game. So, 
maybe they're trying to do something similar here, but it turns out that all of the people, all of the contestants, have had a traumatic life event. In Danny's case, he ended up in this terrible road traffic accident and ends up in a coma in hospital, doesn't he? I think they've all ended up in hospital. And they're all going to have to use something about that traumatic event as part of their escape room challenge. Yep. Okay, so room number three, they get through to a bar? No, before the bar, they're in a in a pretend outside that's freezing cold. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. So it's like a they've frozen only got lake. One Parker, they've only got one Parker Anorak to share. That's right, they have to share a coat. At some point, they find a key frozen in a kind of one-foot cube block of ice. And the only way to get the key out so that they can escape this outside-inside space is to melt all of the ice with their body heat while they're already freezing, which is just cruel and not really not re- not really the kind of uh, escape room puzzle that you would, no, you would hope no. for, is it? Certainly not particularly intellectual either. During which, whilst they're doing that, the escape room geek guy, he's walking out across the ice on this supposed lake and I think I think charges go off or explosives go off and, and break the ice and he falls through and can't get out. Gets sucked along by a current or something, I guess. I don't know. And they have to watch him die under the ice. Yeah, so, so people do die. Indeed, he's the first one, isn't he? To bite the he's dust. The first one to go. Okay, they're through to a bar, uh, like a Texan-style bar full of neon. Uh, and strangely, it suddenly becomes upside down. It's always upside down, Paul. It doesn't become it's always upside, upside down. down. When they walk in, the whole bar seems to be upside down. So there's a pool table on the ceiling. And everything that you would expect to be on the ceiling is on their floor. Very weird. And as they're puzzling this room out, mm-hmm. the... Ceiling four starts to drop away, revealing that they are in a very high shaft and they could easily fall to their death. I see. And I think a couple of them cock it in here, don't they? Definitely, yeah. Certainly Amanda dies because she basically sacrifices herself. Poor Amanda. uh, To rescue the eight ball, which contains the doorknob. I think it is the doorknob that they need to put onto the door and then get out. Once again, not really a very intellectual puzzle that's being presented to us. We've seen Amanda's flashback, of course. She was particularly affected by the fiery room because she had been badly burnt by an IUD in her Humvee in Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever it's supposed to be. But all of them are suffering with some kind of PTSD from an event of that kind. Zoe had lost her parents, I think, certainly her mother. So, so here's how they died. Oh, you've written it all down like a, a ghoulish bookkeeper. <laughs> I'm sure that Richard's collating information about me for, for some court case. The glee with which he discovers that I'm either insane or psychopathic or, or morbid in this case. Which two are you working for? I'm just anyway, glad that so, I... <laughs> It's not... Just glad that Paul's not focused on me. <laughs> Look, okay, there's been a plane crash, a car crash, the army, a mine collapse, a boat, and carbon monoxide poisoning. Ascribe those deaths to whoever you wish. Oh. 
The army, well, we know the army is Amanda. Yeah. Car crash is Ben, drunken Ben. Yes. The boat, I think, is the business is guy. Jason, because yeah. he drowns his pal out there and lies about it. The plane crash is Zoe, the girl, the shy girl. Oh, that's right, yeah. They crash in the jungle and she had to eat her mother or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite remember it that way. What was the last Maybe one? embellishing. Well, oh, the mine, the mine carbon was, monoxide. was the older guy, was the mine. So carbon monoxide must be the nerd. Oh, right. Yeah, plausible. Anyway. So, uh, the it's all upside down. There's a no, we've got missing, They've escaped. The, well, we have a, there's a missing black ball on the pool table. They the eight ball, this. I've mentioned that pool. They, they call it an eight ball in pool oh, sorry. circles. And for some reason, this gives them a code. I don't know how that gives them a code. No, it's the doorknob, which lets them put it onto the door and then open the door. Is that it? Basically, yeah. You're looking for... Wasn't there a code that was upside down? I, there might have been, yeah. I think There, there might... was a number code that had yeah. to turn six into nine. Yeah. That was to get the eight ball it. out of the fridge or something, I don't know. There you go. Yeah. So there were some real puzzles there, Richard. Absolutely, yeah. But not, re- not really. I mean, they're not... If you've done an escape room, you realise there's no laterality to any of this that there is in an escape room. Well, in the next room... The next room is set up like a sort of hospital ward. Each of them sees the medical records and their x-rays from when they were in hospital from their traumatic event. And yeah. it's getting a bit sore-like here, isn't it? You might think they're going to have to cut a key out of their own stomach or something. But not quite, no. What they have to do here is they have to change someone's heart rate. The business guy, Jason, takes to this straight away and he thinks the thing to do is to use a defibrillator to stop someone's heart. And he, he does that with the old guy, doesn't he? I think the plan was yeah. to restart it again. But, I mean, safety tip, you can't just go around stopping and starting people's hearts. Even even if you've seen the film Flatliners, it's not a good idea. I don't think that's how hearts work. I don't think they're just on and off switches for people's hearts, are they? So Jason manages to kill the old guy, yeah? He does. And then he figures out, oh, sorry, yeah, it's not stopping or slowing the heart. Wrong way. Yeah, it's to make it go faster. If he tried that first, maybe, that would be the order to do it in, wouldn't it? Make your heart go faster. And then if that doesn't work, then maybe try stopping someone's heart. Zoe, meanwhile, she is gassed by poison gas that, that, that is escaping, that this whole thing is supposed to prevent. But she apparently passes out. Uh, but Jason and Danny manage to escape, having speeded up one of their hearts. And then they wind up in this weird this weird room, sort of with this op-art sort of wallpaper. And they have to... Yeah, this was a bit crazy, this bit. They have to fight over an antidote that's in a syringe. And there's only enough for one. And they go... You know, they start wrestling and stuff. And eventually... I think Danny eventually prevails, doesn't he? And that's where we are seeing the bit that we saw at the beginning of the film, where he's escaping down this little tunnel, and he winds up in this room that starts crushing him because he can't find the right puzzle answers. And we are full circle. We have come back round to the beginning of the movie, Paul. But is it over? We have, yeah. It's certainly not, no. No. Because Zoe, being clever as she is, she didn't actually die when the poison gas came in. She used an oxygen mask in the hospital setting and she pretended to be dead until 
the escape room operators are two of them. It's a mystery why they think this is a normal thing to be doing, isn't it, as workers? Uh, they're coming in to clean the room up. And she overpowers them, gets the gun that they have. And she makes her way sort of into the, the back rooms of the escape room complex. And she finds the room that Danny is being crushed in and she rescues him. She does, yes. At which point they both wind up meeting the games master. The guy who... Oh, now this this is almost like a Scooby-Doo cartoon, <laughs> wasn't it? Or that kind of thing. He's like in a ch- chair turned away from them, in a high back chair. And he turns around and we see his silhouette, basically. Is that right? And, of course, he has to be a British baddie. So he was not British. He's Scandinavian. Oh, okay. I did look that up. He has got a very strange accent on him that was worthy of note. Certainly not American accent. But, yeah, it was Scandinavian. So we get to meet him and he's like, yeah, I'm a real bastard and no, you weren't supposed to survive this. And then we find out the reason for it is that, you know, he charges top dollar for people to to watch essentially yeah. to watch this on on morbid morbid escape rooms onlyfans.com <laughs> um i guess you know the dark net of only if only net if only fans had a dark net version this would be it kind of thing and this people is pay it. top dollar to watch people die in vain i tell you if these people only knew how cheap a britbox subscription was they would be <laughs> watching the adventure game because it's every bit the equal of this so, in terms of this movie, the Xeno effect, Zoe does mention, oh, we're being watched several times, kind of thing. But in no way does it form a coherent no, living part of it, the plot, does it? She, it, It's supposed to be a aha moment, right, isn't it? She's in the hospital yeah. and she goes, you know, the Xeno effect or something. Or she says, oh, yeah, a, a watch system never changes or something. What? So, that, Just, that lets her know that what... They're being watched, so they can't change. So if they want to they change can't anything, change. Yeah, they, they have need to stop to. being watched. But how's she going to stop being watched? She could what? <laughs> anyway, but nothing comes of it. She doesn't unplug any CCTV camera at all. The other thing oh, she is tries. Like, you know, she tries to smash all the cameras, doesn't she? That's right. She does do that. to no avail. Yeah. The other thing is like the way that they, these people were, the ways that people died around these six people. And the puzzles, there's a little bit of symmetry in three or four of them, but not in all of them. And then people randomly either do or don't survive their flashback moment or the escape room that is their flashback moment. So that was all a bit, like, was tied together very, very loosely, wasn't it? It's just like throwing a grab bag of different ideas into a film, isn't it? Let's do an escape room. And it's a bit like Saw, and it's a bit like that thing where people are watching, like, Hostel or something, and people are paying to watch... Oh yeah, just chuck it all in there and let's see what we... we, we, we... Chuck it all in, yeah. And let's have them flashback and let's have the rooms vaguely ref- reflect those, on those flashbacks kind of thing. It's almost as if they'd... It's almost as if they're painting the set for a high school drama kind of thing. It's it's just kind of painted there, isn't it? Cause, because to a passionate drama A-level, you need to have a painted set kind of thing. <laughs> so it's there, but, but for no apparent functional reason within the plot... But it kind of fleshes it out and makes it feel sophisticated, dare I say. Now, last week, Richard, you were talking about the huge tonal burps that existed in extracurricular. And I don't know if you call them tonal rainbow or a tonal Doppler or a tonal epileptic or a tonal bipolar. (laughs) You used a nice word for it. There's huge tonal... Shifts. Schism. Shifts. Yeah. 
you, you sensing the same thing in this? Well, no, but in the sense that Ben gets this free ride to the end of the movie. He does, doesn't he? He's the least kind of capable, most slackery type, isn't he? Yeah, he gets a complete free ride. And in extracurricular, <laughs> Kai Tyrim, the, the bullyish boyfriend, gets a complete free ride. Oh, right. And I thought that was that was part of the tonal burp of of extracurricular was the fact this guy just gets a complete free ride through the comedy and through the horror, but he gets a free ride also. Undeserved, just, yeah. He doesn't, undeserved. Just didn't make sense. He doesn't did earn it. it. Didn't he fit. Earn it, yeah. Did it fit into any of the tone of the of, of, of the show at all? And here also, I, I just thought it was just like it was out of place that Ben just gets this free ride. There's nothing to recommend him. In fact, he, you know, he's most culpable for the deaths of his friends because. He drunk drove, didn't he, and killed them all. So Ben's like the most culpable, gets a free ride. Zoe, we can see why, because she's the, the attractive female who's good at physics. So whatever, you know. Yeah, she's got to she live. Probably had. She's got to live. And of course. But then it's set up. The set of the sequel, sequel. I thought was really frustrating. <laughs> yeah. The Shadow Man, I don't think we see him, but maybe you did. He, he says, only, you know, I've designed these games that there's only a 4% chance of survival. Kind of thing, and then yeah, how many then, how many does he have to do before he can work out that percentage? I don't know. Well, they test run them, don't they? This is the point. They test run them, and then we cut away to see them being test running the next, the next escape room. So presumably that's escape room number two that's just been on the cinema. It feels very much like we're in scoring territory, Paul. So let's just go yeah. straight into straight into the old um, acting. Oh. I thought this was a patchy affair. Yes, very much so. Like, the baddie, I didn't find convincing. <laughs> no, he, uh, he's very pantomime. Zoe and her attempts to be shy were just quite annoying, I thought. Ben was just an average kind of slacker. Mike was John Goodman, minus a few pounds, plus a few beard. Jason was a very stereotypical... I thought Jason was the worst actor. <laughs> very broadly played, you know... Businessman doing business things in his business office. Yes, I'm. I'm very motivated. I'm, I'm. I'm very keen to win. Yes, yes, yes. What was What was he doing when he when his when his assistant came in? Oh God, there's some terribly he awkward threw in scenes. Said, oh, isn't keep. There? He said, "Keep that." You know. Oh, what? Make sure you watch the Karate Kid. You know. <laughs> make sure that's the link for the Karate Kid. Make sure you watch it, kiddo. You'll learn how to be successful. Yeah, that was, he, I think he's just the worst character and also the worst acting. And we didn't really see much of Amanda, did we? I'm going to have to give the acting a five, which I think is generous in the circumstances. I'll go so far as to say a four even. I think it was below average. I mean, there are characters you will warm to. Um, but And it's not totally the actor's fault. I think it's really poor script writing too. Yeah, I'm... For me, it's the one-dimensionality of, of all the characters. So let's move on to script, plotline, and story. Richard, what do you think about all this? Ugh. I mean, well, look. I mean, they checked all the boxes they had to check to get their funding, right? It's Escape Room, which is the latest, greatest thing. It's Saw-like, and it's setting up for an entire cinematic universe. But it's not too violent or gory either, so maybe they get away with a lower certificate or a wider audience. But did it persuade me? Not really. There was some... It sort of nods towards some things, but it's like these people have been told about an escape room but have never done one. (laughs) Yes. 
for that reason that I can only give it a five for script. For me, like I said, the biggest problem is that all these attempts to tie in somewhat more sophisticated meaning to the plot line, you know, throwing around this Xeno effect thing and nothing comes of it. And then the flashbacks that were kind of mirrored in the puzzles in the room, but actually weren't. I, I thought adding that flesh, well, it was necessary, I think, but didn't work. However, the fact that they had a set of rooms that led consistently on from one to the next, I've got to give them at least a few points. So I'm going to score this a three. Yeah, linear plot. What what could be more in- innovative? <laughs> uh, so, what other categories are we using for the... Uh, is this a horror movie? Or is this an escape room movie? A puzzle yeah, movie? Horror, horror and tension and suspense, I guess. Can you pass your Google interview with escape room puzzles? No. No. So the puzzling... With the exception of the, the first room, yeah, where uh, you had to put glasses on coasters, uh, which was reasonably clever and very much like some of the things they do in the adventure game. Uh, yeah, for that, I'll mm, I'll go as far as a four for the puzzles. I thought the puzzles were a bit of a letdown, and again, not really an escape room, so that was. False advertising on their part and mis-selling. I'm going to go with three. How about scare, factor, suspense, and tension, Richard? This is where it's strongest, right? I mean, it is pretty tense, pretty creepy, pretty scary. It's not crazy in those terms, though. It isn't the most scary film. It isn't the, the most gory or horrific film. So in a sense, it's kind of soft pedaling it. Maybe I'll give it a seven. Uh, yeah, I did like some of the techniques they used. You know, the the room that was the oven, it kind of towards the end they kind of ratcheted it up again by having a by having a a fan assisted secondary oven turn on. I think or some and right towards the end as they were escaping, yeah. they ratcheted it up to full notch with like a jet engine <laughs> lighting up in half of the room. So, you know, those traditional attempts to maintain tension, I thought worked, yeah. generally speaking. However, the constant, I won't say barrage, but the constant pace, it, you know, each room, there was, there, was, there was no lull, was there? Each room was a continuation of the same tension. I thought that the volume, the volume control in the movie for atmosphere mm. was just too constant. Yeah, there's one so note. That's right. A, there was no, there's no texture yeah. to pacing. Yeah, it's just always. There was no texture. Oh, yeah, look, we're, yeah, we're, we're on the clock. We're on a different <laughs> clock, but it's the same clock. <laughs> so, I mean, even in the Crystal Maze, Richard has time to have a quick chat, doesn't it, between rooms? Yeah. yeah. And we, we never really got that backstory. Yeah, at all did we in terms of the flashbacks and that kind of thing? So it it would have been better to say less is more in terms of the escape room torture, uh, a bit more actual puzzling, and a bit more insight, genuine insight into the characters and how they got there. Uh, so I'm going to score it a six. All right, but but like you say, the best aspect of the movie. Does that leave us with an overall score? It does. I'm going to score this one a 4.5. No, a 5, because actually, in the end, I kind of enjoyed it. It is quite mindless. It's the kind of thing you can watch over beers and not really think too hard about. 
It didn't offend me, no. I agree. Yeah. A, a five is a very fair score for it. Take it or leave it. It doesn't make me want to see the other one particularly. Oh, I do now. I want to see the other one. See what they do with it. Maybe. Yeah. But I also want to see the other the escape. Other escape. see how they compare. Well, Paul, then. Then let's decide what we're doing next week. And let's put the other escape room on the list. Yes. Did you have any others you wanted to add? I'm just grabbing from my list, sorry. Give me one second. Ruffle of papers. Rustle of papers, sorry. Okay, so we've got the other escape room, which I, by, by which I presume we mean the 2017 effort, although there is, a, there is a 2013 effort. But let's work backwards, 2017. Uh, and also, uh, it follows Hush, The Den. All right, that's plenty to be going on with, Paul. We can only choose one. It follows the horror movie, The Den. I think it's the social media one. And Hush is the horror movie about a deaf person. Yes, I think yes. And whose choice is it? Who who's making this choice? Is this me? Well, I'm I'm offering those choices for you, Richard. In the coconut shy, in the coconut, in the in the in the in the coconut shell. Please drink, drink from your coconut shell. Fine. Well, please, please. Okay. Place the coconut leaf on your left cheek. Please, please. <laughs> Put. The white mark on your right cheek. Bow to our king, and then, and then tell tell us all here, in the tribe, which of those movies you would like to watch. My choice is, the den. Whoa! Den den den. But you weren't expecting. Do that. you know anything about this movie, Richard? Something to do with social media, and it was probably a horror Ooh. or a thriller, wow. horror thriller, thrilling. Anyway, Paul, that's that for this week. Sorry, yeah, I was just, I was just thinking back because I was. I've been recently watching some um, some meeting a tribe for the first time stuff, and we don't see it these days, do we? Because there are so few undis- undiscovered tribes, so very rarely do we have to follow the anthropologist rules. You know, anthropologist advice, and you know, take the cup and drink from the cup and nod to that person, etc., etc., etc. But it is very important when you're meeting tribes that have not met the outside world but by chance i was watching i think it was on youtube or something an explorer's filmed encounter with a tribe of cannibals oh and he hadn't brought any alcohol oh which is a he obviously had he didn't have got to bring a bottle of wine surely well he didn't he didn't have an anthropologist's advice presumably uh, so yeah, you always bring a bottle of wine to the party, don't yeah. you? You don't need to be an anthropologist to know that, do you? <laughs> and so, and so the the head cannibals like you know, I, I want wine, you know, and let me praise God for the wine. And then the other guy's like, oh, I haven't brought any wine. <laughs> and the cannibals, you know, the cannibal just his his face turns black and he's like, I will split your head and put it in that bowl, and and he's serious, you know. And so, and so the explorer, you know, journalist, whatever, he kind of, he's like nodding and obviously really terrified at this point and turns to the only other guy who's on his team, which is the cameraman. And he's like, could you stop filming? <laughs> the cameraman's like, cameraman's going, no, 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 I want to get this. It's like, seriously, can you please stop filming? I think I'm, I'm going to run that way. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the funniest thing I've ever seen. Although fairly terrifying. Yeah, I <laughs> Amazing. Well, Paul, watch the Adventure Game Series 1, Episode 1 on YouTube with the link that I sent you. 
you'll be enchanted. I promise you. And on that note, bring on, I'm going to say goodbye next week. Okay, so it's the den next week. It is the den. Join us next time for the den. Bye. Bye. Thank you.